Today I'm speaking with Frederick Harron, also known as the Creativity Explorer. Frederick is an author and global keynote speaker, covering subjects such as business creativity and human innovation, on embracing disruption and change, and about the importance of having a global human mindset. He's spoken at over 2,000 conferences in 70 countries across all six continents. Frederick is also the author of 10 books, one being The Idea Book, which is a kind of creative project manual, which I personally love and have used on projects. That book was included in the 100 best business books of all time. We focus a lot on the current pandemic and how creativity in both personal and business life is more important than ever. Here's my conversation with Frederick Herron. Good morning, Frederick. Welcome to the Task Podcast. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Thank you. So, thanks for asking. How are you? I'm, I'm well, thanks. Yeah, so, so talking to you out of, out of Singapore today, I think we met, I think it was about eight years ago, very briefly at a workshop. But um, yeah, I have your, your idea book, which I've, I've used over the, over the years. And, you know, great to have you on the podcast and just chat a little bit about, you know, creativity and, and how important it is right now. And m- maybe a good starting point, um, you know, really is how you're using creativity today. Obviously, we're in a um, somewhat unique situation globally. Um, you're in a, in a job that is all about traveling, uh, speaking, you know, you, everything you do, I imagine, has been impacted in, in one way or another. How, how's creativity been helpful and, and any kind of hints for our listeners and stuff? Yes, yes. So you're, you're absolutely right. So I'm a global keynote speaker, which means my job is to travel around the world and speak at big conferences. And the two things that have been mostly, one of the two industries that have been mostly impacted is travel and conferences. So my industry went from, uh, I, I said, the speaking market, we're kind of the canary in the goal in the, in the in the coal mine or in the gold mine, we, uh, we saw the effect way earlier than almost any other industry because conferences were being canceled. Uh, and that, that's an interesting, and then I'll, as you said, also I live in Singapore and Singapore is one of the countries that was first impacted outside China. So it's, been, it's kind of been living in very much like in a time machine where you've been living one month ahead of the rest of the world. So we were hoarding toilet paper, paper like a one month before everyone else was hoarding toilet paper and so on. <laughs> fascinated to see how, how the whole world goes through the same phases or not exactly the same phases, but a lot of, you can see where people are in the, because uh, I posted on a website for speakers in the US. I said, you better prepare because you're, you're going to have canceled pitches and you better sell your stocks because the stock market is going to go down. And the, and the Americans just laughed at me because <laughs> uh, like nothing is going to happen. I don't have any cancellations. And I said, well, okay, we'll see. And it, it took more than a month, but now, and then suddenly it, it happened over there. Uh, it's fascinating to see. Yeah, I wondered whether, obviously, you know, the world from a business perspective has become digital. I mean, I, you know, I'm now, most of the work I did anyway was, was, was over Zoom because I kind of live outside the city. But, um, you know, the business world has now shifted to this, this new model to, to get through this. Has there been anything happened in the speaking space like that? Or are we, is that, you know, we're, we're too short in the, in the journey for anything like that to happen where, you, where you're doing big conferences or, or speaking over, you know, things like Zoom. Yeah, that's interesting. So we're now we're now recording this at the end of April, and so I, I give some back to your question. How how has it affected me? So uh, every month, so as a as a keynote speaker, I either seasons when you speak. So there's like uh, mid September to early December, and then uh, 
then in the, because in the summer in, and over Christmas and also in April, usually there are very few conferences because like there, there are seasons when conferences happen, which means that, for example, June and July, uh, no, uh, July and August, I, I always take about, almost take two, almost two months off because there's no speeches going on. There's no conferences going on because the boss's kids is on vacation, is on a holiday, school holiday. So the boss is on vacation. So we cannot have a conference. So I'm used to this idea of working very hard in the speaker season. And then not at all when there's, I mean, no speeches at all when, when there's no season. So this idea, so I decided when this, when this crisis started, I decided, you know what, we're going to have the vacation, because then our kids went into homeschooling. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to have those months off earlier this year, because I don't think very much going to happen in the speaker zine. And that's exactly what happened. So March and April, from my, in my industry, has been more or less dead. But right now, something is happening. So now cl clients are realizing, oh, okay, so it looks like we won't be having conferences for quite a long time. We need to do it in a different way. So I had just today, we're speaking today, I had two, two virtual speech, uh, keynote speeches confirmed today. And, uh, and that's not because I've been pushing it, because clients are coming back to me and saying, you know what, I think we need to do something. And I think that, that is kind of the observation. You know how we have that curve for when there's a crisis. First you're in shock, then you're paralyzed, and then, then there's fear, and then acceptance and so on. And you can also see that as a positive curve as when people are starting to come back and say, okay, now it's time to do something. And, I, and it, it's, inter it's interesting to see how a, in a lot of places people are, are getting into that space now, which I think is very positive. So you're, you're not talking necessarily about delivering anything electronic. You're just talking about people now focusing on the future when things get back to some sort of relative normal. No, no, no. They're, they're, they're now saying, okay, I, I guess we can't just pause everything. We need to do something. And then what can we do? Okay, we'll do a virtual conference. And, now, and then, okay, we'll still need a speaker. And now they realize. But if you were to talk oh, to most com companies like a month ago and say, why don't you do a virtual conference and have me as a virtual speaker? They would go like, why are you calling me? We're not doing anything. So it's... The, so it's interesting So we have left that pause or freeze states and we've now gone into, okay, let's do something, which is a much more. So I, I, last week was 50 years ago, the Apollo 13 happened, you know, the yep. classic Apollo 13. And I, I did a post about this because everyone thinks that the quote is the quote that they said is Houston. We have a problem, right? Yeah. That's not what they said. They didn't say Houston. We have a problem. They said Houston. We had a problem as in H-A-H-A-D. Hmm. So when they, when they contacted Houston, they have already left the space that they were having a problem and they were already in, okay, we had a problem, now how can we solve it? And it, I think it took a world, the world kind of a month or so to get, to get over this, we have a problem thing to, okay, now we had a problem, now how do we fix it? And the, I'm very positive that the world is much more in a, in a how can we solve the problem mode right now and that, that's much from a creativity point of view, that's much better. Creativity is about having problems. That's the definition of creativity is that it's a solution to a problem. But we, we, cannot, we cannot stay in the, oh shit, we have, the pro we have a problem phase. We need to stay, we need to move into the, uh, oh shit, we had a problem, now how do we solve it? Because that's what creativity is about, solving the problem, not having the problem. Yeah, I think there was, it, like you say, I mean, it's it's been interesting this whole process there seems to have been kind of levels of perception of what's been happening at first it was kind of fear then it was realization and then it was let's deal with the problem and you know I, i've worked for startups pretty much all my life on and off or early stage businesses i'm in a startup now two years in so very much about everyday problem solving you're always doing that anyway regardless of 
um, you know, inside the business, you're solving problems as a startup. But this has certainly been a, a unique one because it's not just inside the business. It's not just at the, you know, the client level of the clients you're, you're, you're trying to sell to. It's much wider. So, um, yeah, it's been it's, an interesting crisis. It has. Have you seen, I, I originally, um, I connected you, I saw a post on LinkedIn. I know you were looking to, um, you know, speak to businesses in the US on, on podcasts. And have you, have you got any good stories? I didn't ask you this before, before we had a catch up, but you got any good stories of, of businesses, you know, approaching this, uh, you know, the issue of, of the virus with a creative mindset and coming up with new ways of doing things? Well, there's, um, <laughs> there's so many of these. I did, I, for a while, I had this idea that I would put together like a, a, a blog post about ex creative examples, but there are just so many of them. So now I, I think I find it more interesting to kind of look the different aspects of creativity that has been created. So, for example, there's a lot, there's a lot of examples of, of pivoting, like yep. a... I don't, Louis Vuitton used turning their factories into doing face masks and, and uh, protective gear, right? So oh, that's so that you do something that you realize this industry is going to be dead. We now let's do something else that will build our brand, right? And, yep. and then there's the other example of like there's a Scandinavian Airlines or Scania in Sweden that doing that is doing Scania is doing trucks and they not so okay so they don't have enough truck. They, 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 they don't have enough order for the trucks or no, obviously no one is flying. So they fired the flight attendants and they trained them to become low level nurses in hospitals. And the, the factory, the Scania workers were, were sent into a factory that was doing the, the breeding apparatus, right? So basically instead of firing people, they, they said, we let you go and work somewhere temporarily so we can bring you back later. So that's about, it's not pivoting your business is, 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 temporarily moving workers right so that that's a way yeah. to reduce the kind of reduce the cost not making more money but then you have those positive ones like uh people all the memes that are going around or the lady gaga doing an online concert for free or uh, those that it's all about keeping the or people going out singing in the street or applauding the applauding the uh, frontline workers, all these positive, like, let's keep the spirit up creativity that, that has really exploded. And that also took a while because you need to get in that, you need to get over the fear phase and then, okay, let's, let's, let's be, uh, let's spread positivity so we can get over this crisis. So totally different approaches. My, my, I'm mostly impressed with the creativity of the people who, or the companies that pivoted early like for I mean, governments, for example, is a great example to look at how companies, uh, governments like Vietnam or Taiwan or Korea or Singapore reacted early and a lot of countries in the West did not. I'm, uh, it, I'm amazed how long it took the Western countries to realize that there was a problem. They basically had a one month head start and they still screwed it up in many ways. Yeah, it seemed to be, well, I, yeah, I think it just, I, I've no idea why that was, but certainly here, I mean, in, in Thailand, um, you know, we've been relatively unscathed and, you know, there's been um, a, a good overreaction, which has kept things, you know, uh, kept things stable as they need to be. So um, I think the lesson for me is like, I always talk about idea perception and idea perception is, is your ability to see a change, understand a change, and then realize what, what needs to be done and then the fourth step is to do that. So for example, you, it's not enough to see that this is gonna be a global pandemic. 
it's, you also have to understand that if there's a global pandemic, it's going to be a global economic crisis. And so if it's going to be a global economic crisis, uh, stock market is going to go down. Okay, if stock markets go down, I should sell my stocks. And then number four, four then is sell your stocks. You, you, need to do, you need to pass all of those four steps in order to react correctly to the crisis. Right? So the question, you could, if you, you can measure your idea perception on your ability to see when did you sell your stocks. Yeah. Right? That, that's a great example of doing that. And, and, and the, the interesting thing with this crisis now is that it's, it's now it's very difficult to see where it's going because it was almost easier a couple of months ago because then you know this is going to go down. But now there's so much con conflicting information. It's like one day you can read it, oh, it's going to be fine. And one day it's going to go on for, for another two, two years. And I, I, that's very unusual for a crisis. It's like the fog of war. It's mm. the, the, fog of, the fog of crisis, I guess we should call it. Yeah, I wonder whether I, it's, I, I think maybe part of the issue is the, the comparison of different countries. You know, there's been kind of a global update on what's going on. But the reality is it's, it's very different geographically what's going yes. on. So it's, Huge. it's very hard to, to get a, a good baseline of, of information. I'm sure in a couple of years when people look back and the data's there, it'll be a lot easier to, to really understand at a country level what was happening because at the moment everyone's looking at it through the same lens. But the reality yeah. is I think every country has different seasons, different density of population. There's so many things that, that may, uh, you know, may have an influence on, on what's happening. And also made different strategies, right? So I'm a Swede living in Singapore. Singapore is one of the hardest when it comes to the lockdown and the people who fly in have to be two weeks in quarantine and, and they have tracking and they call you up and they do video chat to make sure that you have 3,000 people <laughs> making sure that you, it, it's a total lockdown and very few deaths. I don't know, I think death, if we're counting the deaths in like 10 or 15, less than 15, I think it's 10 or something. And then I'm, half, I'm Swedish and in Sweden going the total opposite way of saying no lockdown, asking people nicely to not, they cancel the big events. But apart from that, uh, like Norway and Denmark, Finland, much bigger lockdown, Sweden, almost not at all, which means the economy in Sweden has not been affected at all as much as the Nordic countries and, or Singapore. Uh, but we have 2000 deaths in Sweden. So, so yeah, I, the Sweden me go, go Sweden, look at that. We're going to, do, we're, we're going to be over this very soon. And, and we didn't kill our economy. And Singapore going, well, look at that. Almost no one died. Good job, Singapore. <laughs> yeah, very, very almost the opposite approach, funnily enough. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, both, and I'm, I'm rooting for both of them. <laughs> but, I, I, but I'm rooting for both of them at the same time. And it's very conflicting. So I, um, I, there was a, something we chatted about just before. Using creativity, we're, our, our business is all about engaging teams, engaging employees. Um, you know, that in itself is an active process. It's often physical, you know, at the moment there's isolation. You know, what, you, when you look at, you know, engaging teams, engaging in people in creative processes, um, you know, how, how do you see that as, um, you know, how, how has that been affected and, and what ideas do you have around that? Yeah, so my father was a, was a music teacher and he would say that, you can, um, he said, you can, you can teach anyone to play an instrument, but the only way to, to teach someone to become a musician is through inspiration. And what he meant by that was that you can't, you, you can teach everyone to put the, the, you know, where to put your fingers on, on the guitar, but that doesn't make, they make, you can, they can play music, but they won't become musicians. Musicians, you, you play Michael Jackson, you should play, play 
Fred Astaire, you show all the great musicians to a young person and they get so inspired by it that they will they not only learn how to put, put the fingers on the right place on the guitar, they also become a musicians, right? And I think that's very true for music, but it's also very true for creativity. So if you want people to be creative, you cannot just give them creativity tools. You need to infuse, you need to inspire them to be creative. And that goes down to also then having them be positive. So mm. I've interviewed a few people recently because I want to understand the connection be pos between positivity and creativity. So yesterday I interviewed Richard Browning, which is the founder and chief test pilot of Gravity Industries. And he's the guy basically who invented a real life Iron Man suit. So I, if you picture hmm. the, Iron, the Iron Man suit in front of you, it's basically what he's done. It's fascinating. You can Google gravity.co, I think is the website. Yep. And, and if people went through like, you, it's impossible to do this. And he just said, you know what? And he talked about the joy of, of, the, joy of the challenge. Like the, it wasn't to prove others, it wasn't to prove that, to, that the others were wrong. He didn't do it to prove others wrong. It proved it, he did it to prove himself right. Right? that he had this idea that he thought could be possible and he decided to do it. So is this, is this posit posit positivity in, in, in the opportunities that you need to instill? Otherwise, it's very difficult to be creative. You need to believe that something is possible. Yeah. So there, there's so an element... That, it, yeah. Sorry, go on. I mean, so there's an element of... Uh, you talked about inspiration there. And, you know, we started off at the, the, the beginning of this part talking about, you know, kind of teams. So you're saying really there's a, there's a link between people and creativity and, and, you know, one person inspiring another or, or a, a group of people to, to kind of invoke that creativity. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Really? Yeah. So as a, as a boss and a manager and an entrepreneur, you need to, you can't just tell people to be creative or tell people to change or tell people to, Oh shit, we need to do something differently. You need, they need to feel that you are inspired to do that too. So you need to inspire. They will look at, Oh, look at him. He's, he's looking for opportunities here. I this is I, I, this is my favorite word is opportunity. The, the etymology of the word opportunity. Do you know, I, I'm, it's a rhetorical question almost, but do you know the, what the meaning of the word opportunity is? As the, the etymology meaning of it, the word where it comes from. I don't know the, no, I don't know the background of the word. No, and he, yeah, and neither did I, but I'll, I'll tell you because it's absolutely beautiful. Well, the, so the opportunity is the name of a wind. You know, like you have a typhoon or a hurricane or a tornado there's also a, an opportunity and it's a, it's a name of a specific wind. It hmm. literally means, it literally means the, the wind that takes you back to your harbor. Wow. So that's cool. Yeah. So the Romans, when they were out sailing and there was a dull in, in the doldrums and they were almost dying and there's no water, they've been out for weeks and suddenly here comes opportunity. The, the, the right wind, because those ships couldn't just sail. They had to have the right wind to sail, right? They were not so advanced as sailing ship, but suddenly the right wind came and they're like, Oh look, it's opportunity is coming. And then they would call home and see their families. But it also tells you something that when opportunity comes, you need to have this ability to see that this is opportunity coming. Otherwise, if you can't read it, it's like that's why I'm talking about idea perception. If you can't read that this is the, an opportunity, you won't realize it, right? So that's the yep. first thing. And the, sec the second thing is that when you realize that this is an opportunity, this is the right wing, wind, you need to hoist your sails. You need to get the sails going. You need to wake up everyone and say, hey, there's an opportunity here. Get this, start sailing. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. So it's about taking action. So, and so, so that's that positive outlook of, of looking for the positive hints. 
and then acting on them. And, and when there are not that many positive hints, more, it's even more important to catch that opportunity. It's, it's, um, this sounds like a really good segue for a question I had, had um, scribbled down earlier, which is, you know, when you look at creativity as a, I don't even know how you categorize it, but as a, a you know, a process or a thing, you know, how do you, how do you yourself and how do you suggest to others to, you know, reach their creative potential? I imagine it's not a, a simple answer, but are there techniques? Are there, you know, everything from, you know, some people close down technology for a while. People have their own ways to approach creativity. What is your, you know, what is your kind of holistic advice on, you know, how people can go from, you know, a person of today to, to the most creative they, they have the potential to be? Yes. So, yeah, so you're absolutely right. It's not an easy answer because there's not one answer. So brainstorming is a wonderful technique, but only for about 20% of the world population. For 80% of us, we don't work very well in a brainstorm. So some people need deadlines because they need, they need, they need this sense of urgency. They need to have a problem to solve. Some people just freeze when there's a deadline, like I. That, therefore, I always self-publish my books because I, I want to I wanna write until the book is perfect. I don't want to finish it because someone tells me I need to be done by September 1st. But for some people, they, 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 need, they, they thrive on deadlines. They, they do wonderful work the night before. So the most important advice for how to reach your full creative potential is to sit down and think about your own creative process. And you do that by identifying what are the best ideas you ever had in your life. Like write down your five best ideas. When, and then see when did those ideas happen? What was the circumstance? Was I alone? Was I with other people? Was, I, was, I, was there a deadline? Was there not a deadline? Uh, was I, uh, was I driven by a big passion or, or was it a, something that just popped into my head? Was I meditating? Was I sleeping? Like, and so on. And then you realize, okay, I am the kind of person who needs to be with other people in the inspiration phase, but I need to be by myself when I try to solve, decide what to do or whatever, whatever your creative process is. Some people need to go, like my process is, Travel around the world as much as you can for, for about eight to 10 months per year. I, last year, I was in 24 different countries on five different continents. And I interviewed everyone from like Silicon Valley CEOs to people in the slums of Manila. What can we learn about creativity from the people in the slums of Manila? I just all kinds of people. Mm. And then three, three to four months per year, I do nothing. And I, I even have, a, I have, a, I have an island a private island in Sweden where we live about two months per year, me and my family, and we don't leave the island. So, <laughs> so this idea of being isolated uh, for two months is very, it's not new for me. Like I do that, I do that two months every year because I just want to sit and do nothing so that I can take all those in all that inspiration that I saw and then rearrange it in my subconscious. And the only way you can do that is by doing nothing. But that, that, that works perfectly for me, but maybe for you, it just sounds like a lot of, a lot of, air, like a lot of travel and a lot of, an, a lot of being away from family and like, how can you travel for 10 months per year or eight months per year? But to me, that, that's, I thrive on that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, you know, you, you're right. I mean, I think everyone has their own, definitely has their own creative process. I mean, within a startup, we do a lot of brainstorming. So that element of working in teams and, taking an idea and then kind of, you know, throwing it, throwing it around and bouncing it off, off each other is one way. I, I, when it comes to writing, which I've done a, a fair bit of interesting, I, ha, I find myself 
that I can write much more easily in noisy places, which I know is, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure is not the usual because most people are like, they need silence, but, um, yeah. so they're definitely Perfect example. no one model. Um, what, what on so JK, JK Rowling, for example, she had the idea for Harry Potter on a train. So traveling is a very common way to get good ideas. But she wrote the, the whole book in a cafe because she's like you. She writes mm. better when she's together with other people. If she sits by herself, she feels like, oh, like, oh, I'm all by myself with my computer. I cannot, for the life of me, cannot write a book in a cafe. I just get annoyed by other people. Just like I get, I'm, I'm a squirrel. I always shine a new object. Like who's that? What, what is he doing? So I go, when I write my books, I go to a beach and I rent a hut somewhere and I just sit in a beach hut, hut all by myself. And I, and I look at, have a beautiful view of the, of the beach. And I sit in there by myself and I write 14 hours per day. And I do that for 10 days in a row. And then suddenly it's 140 hours of writing and I didn't see another person. That works perfectly for me. It doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for, for J.K. Rowling. But the interesting thing is that almost 99% of people have never sat down and written down the creative process as an instruction manual for this is when I am the most creative. And also this is when I'm the least creative. And, and they haven't really, they know roughly, but they haven't actually sat down and analyzed it deeply. And you cannot be deeply creative unless you deeply analyze it. Yeah, very interesting. Do you, how do you see that paralleling into businesses then? So when, you know, an individual can sit down and have a creative process, when a business does that, can, can you take that same modeling where a business will look at its culture and define a creative process based on a group of people being, people being its culture? Or, or is it need to still be done at a kind of leadership level where, or, or both? I mean, there's a number of different processes there, I suppose. But yeah, when a business looks at how well, it's- That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good question. And yes, I, I definitely think you can because uh, it's almost the other way around. I mean, what is a business? It's a bunch of people, but it's the different kind of people in, in the- So for example, I, I, use, I use this example a lot. You have, you have Ikea- uh, and, and you have, you have a company like Ericsson. So Ericsson is all about building huge products that for billion dollars that governments will buy and it's, it's, in, it's crucial infrastructure. So it's all about making sure that it works. IKEA is all about making, saving like a few cents on a, on a cup, make, make save money everywhere so we can push it to our customers and sell it, sell it even cheaper. Those are two totally different characteristics. You can almost look at it as two different people, like an engineer and a, and a, and a kind of a quirky inventor who, who quirky sales inventor, which is the founders of the founders of IKEA. And if, if you're this engineering person, you will not last very long in IKEA. You, you'll be frustrated by the fact they're always trying to save money all the time and that they're not. But if you are an IKEA person, you, I mean, I, I work a lot with IKEA, obviously, because it's a creative company and I'm, I'm from Sweden and I'm, I work, I'm Swedish and I work with creativity. And, uh, you know, people have been in IKEA for 10, 15, 20 years. It's just who they, the style of the company is so similar to the person. So yeah. I think it's very important when you recruit, then you recruit people, especially to a startup, that you recruit people who can be, they can be very different in their styles, but they need to have the same approach to creativity it's very and yeah i mean defining that is difficult i suppose you can look at it based on education and and interests and and people's background but it is something i imagine that's very hard to identify necessarily you know and and does the culture the culture probably molds 
to, to one level, you know, how, how someone adapts or, or how someone has a creative process. I mean, I imagine a company culture influences that as much as your own modeling, right? Yes. And then you can also have, uh, I mean, the most important thing maybe is that you have the same innovation values in the company. And then you can have, you, you, I'm sure the person who handles logistics in, 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 in IKEA is also very much building big logistics systems. So you need different kinds of creative people. You don't want to have everyone to be the same, but they need to have the same ethos, the same creative values, as a, uh, because then they can they, they speak the same language. They can be very different, but they need to still speak the same language. I used to play American football, and I love American. I'm, I'm the Swedish champion of American football, believe it or not. Really, so I love. I know you see me. You, you will not. You, you will you not do, believe you, it. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 on voice here, not video, but I do know you, and yeah, you, you without meaning, sorry, you don't look like the typical American footballer, but um, well, yeah. actually, the typical American footballer, there is no typical American football, and that's my point. Because yeah. first of all, everyone is wearing pads, so when I when I play, I look very muscular too. Because you take the pads off, you realize that they're actually all kinds of, some people, some of the guys are 200 pounds and they can't run 50 meters because all their job is just to be big and push people aside and they move, they move two meters and they're done. I was a safety, which means I need to be, I don't need to be big, I need to be fast. Yep. And I just, I, as long as I'm fast, I can just run and grab their legs and I can, it doesn't matter how big you are, you're going to fall. So the, the American football is made up of people who are, all so different. The quarterback is like a chess player, uh, but the, the safety just needs to be fast and just uh, needs to be a wolf, just hunt down the prey and just get them to fall. And you have all these different people, but they all have one kind of thing in common. They, they still play as a team. And that is, so, that is so beautiful. And a lot of sports is not like that. And a lot of sports, like more, people are more or less the same. But in, in, in American football, it's, it's, it's the diversity of, of skills, but all around this still around the same team and the same goal yeah i can i mean i'm a rugby fan so i can appreciate it it's a different sport but i think very similar and when i look at that sport the you know i know it inside out so the individual um the individuals in different positions their their skill set their size their capability is also different and yet their connection as a team is so important to be able to pull that together as one one kind of organism Yes, exactly. Cool. Well, look, we're, we're kind of, um, you know, pretty much drawing to the end. I, I, I suppose just a, a question. Is there anything I, I haven't asked that, that you'd like to talk about? Uh, yeah. Well, I think the, the part of the, the part I'm the most excited right now is that uh, last year I, I redefined myself as the creativity explorer because I've been a creativity speaker for 20 years, but uh, it was actually my son who did it. He, he, he was supposed to introduce me as, uh, in school as, you know, what does your father do for a living? He was supposed to say, my father's a creativity expert, but he screwed it up and he said, my father's a creativity explorer. And I, and, and I said, that is a way better description of what I do because yep. it focuses on, on the, to, to explore means to venture into unknown territory in order to learn more about it. And that's much more about being inquisitive and, and curious and understanding a topic and less, much less about, and then you, and then you spread your message about what you, you go back and you tell the stories of what you learned do, during your exploration. But it focuses on learning more things about something you don't know instead of just speaking about what you already know. So I'm interested because, the, because in the last two months when there's, I haven't been able to, to go around the world and speak, I have been diving into 
study to doing more research through Zoom calls and just interview people more about creativity. And if there's anything I would like to get people to understand about creativity is that is that explorational aspect of it, the curiosity aspect of it, to mm. venture into unknown territory in order to learn more about whatever it is that you are exploring. I don't care if that's employer engagement or electric vehicles or whatever it is. Yeah. You're not, you're not a salesperson, you're not an HR person, you're not a CEO, you're an explorer and you, need, you, need, you are there to explore whatever you are made to explore. Because that, that it awakens adventurer in you, it also awakens the child in you. It's, it's, it's a very, very positive place you get to when, when you uh, embrace the explorer within you. Cool. That's some great advice. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Certainly one of my kind of leading values is to be curious with everything I do. And it's, it's, I know certain people, certainly myself, learn by experience, which comes through questioning and, and, and doing um, as opposed to just learning. So, yeah, great advice. Um, where can people find out more about you, you know, in websites, social media, if people want to want to get in touch, want to book you? What, what, what's the, the best way to find more, more about you? Uh, they can just Google the Creativity Explorer or my name is Frederick Karen. So Frederick, there's only one Frederick Karen in the world. Cool. All right. Um, look, Frederick, I really appreciate your time and um, wish you the best of luck. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, for you, it's been about problem solving and, and that there's some kind of fun in this, in this challenge. But um, yeah, I hope everything um, get back to, get, gets back to normal soon and everything's well with, with yourself and family. Yeah, or let's, let's, let's hope that it gets back, gets back to better than before. That would be even better. <laughs> For sure. That's a, yeah, sounds good. All the best, mate. Okay. Okay, you too. This is a podcast from Task. Task helps you create and measure impact. For more information, please visit task.io.